0: You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Benny and the Betts.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome into Benny and the Betts, Super Bowl Week Edition Part 2. And we have a guest live from Radio Row. It's my friend Connor Orr, senior writer for Sports Illustrated, been covering the NFL for many a year's over at si who you also should be following uh on x on twitter whatever you're calling it these days at connor Orr. we are of course presented uh by pxg and pxg kansas city if you have not had an opportunity to get fitted yet please go ahead and do so got my set of gen six is right behind me uh waiting for the weather to finally start consistently warm so i can go out and uh just feel like i'm way better than i am on the golf course uh I don't know. Are you are you a golfer at all, Connor? Do you do you have a chance to to get out and play, uh, especially once uh, the season is done?
0: So on, I I live in New Jersey, so our golfing season is about two months long, and uh, I golf once a year with my father-in-law, and you let him win, and then uh, and then you pack up and you go home. So I but I do I religiously play once a year, and I do enjoy it. And then every time I play, I'm like, I wonder why I don't play more. It's the clubs. You gotta That's get your clubs. I've had the same set of gloves since I was 16. So they <laughs> they don't fit and then the grips have disintegrated. So my hands are like black
1: after I'm done. Yeah. You get you get like the full hand, it looks like you're wearing an extra set of gloves on yeah. top of the gloves by the time you're already done. Oh um, pretty gross. It's it's great to have you here. Um I'm excited because I think a lot of times here in Kansas City, we fall victim to some of our own narratives. And I always like to get a national perspective. Uh, especially with this team this year at this moment. Um, I, I did an interview earlier today um, with VEASAN, and they were asking me kind of like, what, what's the mood in Kansas City right now? And my truthful answer was, people are already talking about the the Valentine's Day parade, uh, you know, the third one in five years. There, there is a sense of maybe, un I don't want to say unfound confidence, but... For a team that's the underdog by two, two and a half points heading into this game against a very formidable opponent who has been really at the top of their game fairly consistently with the exception of that three-game stretch, uh, from a national perspective, how are, what is the narrative at least that you've gotten about this year's Chiefs team and the actual matchups themselves? Do Do most people view them as a rightful underdog or do people talk about them as this is a team with this coaching staff, with this defense, with this quarterback, they should be the favorites. I think
0: at this point, I mean, I always kind of bet what I hear super consistently, and so for example, we came into this week thinking, okay, Steve is a genius. He's going to do whatever he did in the Giants-Patriots Super Bowl and the last Chiefs Super Bowl. They're going to be unstoppable just like they were against Baltimore. They're going to shut down Brock Purdy and I'm always kind of, like, not so fast. Uh, You know, Kansas City wins a lot of games because their back-end players, their secondary, their linebackers tackle really well. But that all that takes is one bad game, especially against a team like this who are masters at gaining yards after the catch, and you all of a sudden find yourself in, like, a 10-point hole against the 49ers. The game is over. It's already done. done. And so, for me, I'm kind of looking at it like, yeah, we came into this game rightfully praising Steve Spagnuolo. I mean, he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. And they've had some really good defensive performances. But who's to say that the script can't flip? I mean, San Francisco has been a dominant offensive team for the last three years. And they could turn it on just as easily as well.
1: I I think that your perspective on Spagnuolo is really interesting. Um, because I, I do think collectively, like we always sometimes play victim to recency bias, right? Um, and recency bias will tell you that the Chiefs offense has found that dimension that they need to get to while the defense has remained consistent throughout the course of the year. At the same point, you talked about the yards after contact. That's a big stat. The Chiefs also rank bottom seven um, in yards per rush allowed against arguably the the offensive player of the year. Um, I guess... Based off of sort of where these matchups intersect, is there? Are, are you? I guess are you more curious in sort of the chess match between Shanahan and Spagnolo, or more so Andy Reid versus Steve Wilkes? Like, where where do you find the matchup that maybe intrigues you the most within the context of
0: the game? I, to me, it's Shanahan and, and Spagnolo because I think the knock on Kyle has always been that you know he, he plays. he coaches really well when the game plan works right because the, the game plan is a little bit different than maybe your typical the way you would set up a typical game plan it's a it's basically a storybook and one play builds on another play builds on another play and if things get messed up it's like ripping the middle out of a out of a book and it gets complicated and he doesn't really typically have what you would call those gotta have it plays where it's third and five like andy you know for years, the Chiefs, like they would run that little stunt thing with Tyreek Hill on third and short, fourth and short, and just that little quick pass, and they would always have that. The 49ers don't really have that um, it, because it doesn't fit into the way that they want to build their game plan. And So what happens if they get knocked off their block really early in a game? We've seen a little bit of resilience from this team recently, but is that a flash in the pan, right? Um, you know, Have they kind of exhausted their uh, afterburners at this point after coming back in the playoffs? especially the way they did against Green Bay.
1: Do you look at one player in particular for either side as an X-factor, the guy that maybe not necessarily would be sort of a dark horse for an MVP bet per se, but we'll be talking about this player's performance as it results to the impact on a win?
0: I really think, I mean, just in talking to the 49ers coaches especially, if the Chiefs secondary continues to tackle as well as they have, This is going to be a really hard game for San Francisco, right? We know they're going to put guys in space. We know they're going to get good playmakers the ball. The question is, how much will they make you pay for it once they start moving around? And I do think if if they had a strong side of run fit game or, you know, just quick pass fit game from that Chiefs defense, especially your corners and your safeties, some of your linebackers, that's a game over scenario because... If you can put a lid on that offense and prevent the yards after the catch, then it changes the entire uh, complexion of the game.
1: What have you made of of the Chiefs' offensive identity, both throughout the <laughs> course of the regular season, to the postseason where it feels like Mahomes is a little bit more in rhythm? And they feel like they've had more so of an identity consistently with Pacheco, who now looks healthy. Um, do you feel like they're, they're weapons now with a healthy Kelsey and, and Rasheed Rice's that top-tier wide receiver, is that sustainable? Um, or are we looking at maybe a sample that, you know, th- everything just kind of worked out well, even against superior opponents on the road? I mean,
0: Baltimore was impressive because I don't know how you, what your read on it was, but I mean, just watching Travis Kelsey for the past few weeks leading up to that, um, a lot of their early success in the Baltimore game was a result of, just superior physicality you know I thought it was like winning really tight one-on-one matchups and less about you know we scheme this to this guy's five yards wide open and part of that is obviously Baltimore and how they want to play but part of that was I think a concerted effort on the part of Kelsey on the part of Andy Reid to come in there and assert like a, a physical superiority I mean that first touchdown drive I think it was the first one where you know Kelsey wasn't really open at all, but he had a lot of catches. He gained a lot of yards. He was muscling people, and you hadn't seen that for the last few weeks. Like I, I think there was sort of like almost like a, almost like a surrender. You kind of you kind of played almost like he was like sick or something, you know, and you just huh. kind of shying away from your contact. A little bit. Whereas I thought Baltimore, it's like okay, hello, like everybody's woken up, and you know you were winning physical battles, and that's huge, especially going up against a team like San Francisco really good pass covering linebackers, like guys who are gonna hit you, bother you, and be up be up your you know what the whole game.
1: The the Baltimore win, I think, was maybe a turning point for me to think, yeah, if they go and play San Francisco, there's a real, I don't want to call it a chance, but I, I think I think there's a sense of newfound confidence that even though you could talk to Mahomes and and Kelsey and in a lot of the the core parts, Chris Jones, the, the the core guys on this team, I I think there was still that slight suspicion from fans of saying to themselves, yeah, like Buffalo, you know, at some point Josh Allen is going to turn the ball over and you know they're they're going to shadow in the I mark you times of a big moment with Baltimore, you just didn't get that sense. The Chiefs have had success against Lamar Jackson in the past, but we're talking about a fairly small sample. We're also talking about a very different Lamar with a different offensive identity than in years past. You had Tan Monkin there now, and and that's changed too. Um, Now, I I think because of that win, um, how dominant they are on both sides of the ball, and because they have that physical approach, now I I think that's where maybe the mindset changed, both maybe internally, uh, but certainly around the fan base about this team that, there there's really no sense of concern at least anymore at least from the fans that i've talked to well i would caution don't turn
0: into patriots fans it's not fun (laughs) you know like it's it's not an enjoyable existence um i've always you know i i we're working on uh the magazine issue for if the chiefs win and i think one of my major takeaways is that let's say they do in this game it becomes you become a dynasty, but you become like a post dynasty dynasty in that you are in New England territory. You're starting to be in that range. And from that point on, it's not fun. Every law, every, it's, you're like an Alabama fan. Like you're expecting to win when you don't, it's disappointing. And now you're wearing the biggest target in sports, and every team is just designing things to try to take you out. It that sucks as a fan. I don't know. Like I, I'm an Orioles fan and this year was terrible. Like we were like rolling and I was like, this isn't fun anymore because now next year, I'm going to be upset if they don't win the division and I'm going to be mad if they don't win the world series and I'm going to be pounding the table and be like, why aren't they trading for all these great players? So I would just say to chief fans, like, you know, even if you lose, it's fine. You know, don't be overconfident. Just like, accept, accept this idea of an underdog and, and,
1: and and enjoy it because it's, it's a, it's a fun thing. It's a good thing to have. I I didn't think in the midst of this episode, I'd find the one Orioles fan that's like, oh man, we got Corbin Burns. Now I'm going to be even more invested into the season. Like I take, (laughs) and, and, and I'll, I'll tell you too, like a, a lot of our listeners, our producer, our producer, Nick is a, is a KU fan for basketball. So they've been dealing with this type of mindset for many years. So I, I mean, listen, as, I suppose I had it as a Bulls fan growing up in Chicago in the nineties and boy, do I miss those days because they are, they are fleeting. when they go, uh, you're, you're chasing for something that will probably never exist again. So it's an interesting dynamic that I hadn't really considered. And at some point, I mean,
0: you know, Travis, I mean, I, I had done a piece for Travis on the ma- uh, in the magazine a couple of weeks ago and you know, Everyone in Kansas City to a person is saying there's a level of his game that we haven't seen yet. There's an evolution that we haven't considered. But we don't know if that's true. You know, I mean, we don't know how much longer that offensive line is going to play well. We don't know if Isaiah Pacheco develops some of the ball security issues that were a hallmark of his before his time in the NFL or if any of these other receivers pan out. And so it's a it, it's a it's a call to stay in the moment. That's right.
1: So speaking of staying in the moment, um, for anybody that has yet to read your latest piece over at SI.com, and I certainly encourage anybody to go ahead and do so, um, there's been sort of these larger-than-life moments, and I-, I think sometimes to a fall, we tend to weave in maybe narratives that that shouldn't be there uh, into the Super Bowl to try to tell a story. But uh, you actually pitched uh, one of the legends in Hollywood, an Angela Pizzo, um, who wrote and created Rudy, Hoosiers, uh, amongst many others, breaking away. Um, and the, the sort of the three pitches that you gave him as it pertains to the Super Bowl, all of which I think are, are fairly compelling from the, the mindset of a sports fan and, and even a better to a certain extent, he had a hard time getting behind. Why?
0: <laughs> um, so uh, he said he thought that Travis Kelsey was not relatable. Um, so I was like, hey, you know, what about this? Like, guy from Cleveland Heights, you know, uh, gets kicked off his uh, you know college football team and then makes his way to the pros and then gets really good and dates a pop star and you know he was like ah this sounds like a star is born and he's like I didn't like that movie and he's like I, I find that I, I find Travis Kelsey hard to connect to because he's a really good looking personable 64 behemoth of a human being and uh, and he's like and I think that we underplay and this was a good point I had really considered we underplay how smart Travis Kelsey is, uh, and for a lot of reasons. And when you think about how, um, I'm trying to think of like the right word, but when you think about how, um, how able he is to play a character, like going on Saturday Night Live, all that kind of stuff, uh, him and Taylor's relationship actually makes some degree of sense, you know, some like weird degree of sense. I mean, he's he's got it all. And so, um, Angelo made a good point where it's like, yeah, you know what? I mean, you know, it's hard to see a, it's hard to look at that and see a movie of someone overcoming odds when like you've kind of been blessed genetically and from a personality standpoint. Yeah.
1: What surprised me was you also pitched him on the concept of both Brock Purdy, which I, I think feels like a very Angelo Puri type, yeah, piece, right. Um, and and also yeah, I, I had a conversation with Damon Bruce last week on the show about even just the title of Mister Irrelevant makes it easier for us to dismiss his accomplishments, even though we want it to be in and of itself, a success story. I and mean, to me, that feels like it's set up. Like it's got like Disney mighty ducks, like all the feels, just right there for you, especially if they win this game.
0: I thought so too, but Angela was like, ah, you, you got drafted. So who cares if you're Mr. Relevant? you got drafted, which means you're pretty good. And you were good enough to play quarterback at Iowa state, which is fair. Um, so I think it's hard to, uh, you know, I, I could see like the tagline being like nobody believed in him except for like a really pretty decent football school in the Big Twelve, you know. <laughs> and so um, it kind of does take away the the Rudy aspect of it, but if you're, I mean, you talk about like a a modern football fairy tale. I mean, you know, the bar is pretty high for a movie. Like Kurt Warner got one, yeah. Um, it, in and so if you're making like the bar Kurt Warner, uh. You know, I, I would say it comes up a little bit short, you know, but uh who knows? I mean, I can see like it made for TV kind of thing, you know, like Lifetime, Mr. Irrelevant, something like that. That'd be kind of
1: fun. <laughs> from, from, from a Lifetime movie to the NSL network. It, it feels like it would be like self in-house produced. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes you got to self publish. That's right. Yeah. And then narrated by like Kurt Warner. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Connor Orr is with us here on Benny and the Bets. He is live from Radio Row. Uh, amongst all the wild and wonderful sightings that have, have come your way this week, has there been uh, a name or a face that either A, you were not expecting to be there that showed up and wowed you? Um, or maybe the most irreverent personality that you're like, oh, this will be fun. Like, Who what, are what the names that kind of caught your attention besides the, the usual big stars that that work the room? The guy from Pawn Stars, um, so the, the father,
0: the dad, yeah. And oh I couldn't, I couldn't remember his name. So he was walking right up to our table. We made eye contact, and I was like, you know. And then uh, I was going to jump up, but he he still seems pretty physically imposing. So um, I, uh, I, you know, I couldn't jump up and like give him a hug or anything. I thought he would like shove me. Um, so that guy, um, maybe um, hair top, that was a good one um sock air top and uh and bobby flay so bobby flay came to the sports illustrated set and um i i got wind that it would be super unprofessional for me to jump up and try to get a picture with him so uh instead of hanging around and just like fanboying out i uh i went to the gym so Uh, i i I had to ask i I would have had to have bothered him. so if i couldn't bother him I, i just didn't want to be in the same place
1: I've been to Radio Row once, and it was when our afternoon show back years before I, I joined SI, uh, it was the 2015 Super Bowl. So it was Seattle and New England, and it was in Arizona. And it, for whatever reason, like the the worlds collided. i had been trying to book JB Smoove from Curb Your Enthusiasm on our show for, felt like a year. And it just so happened that he was in Arizona. He was either filming a commercial or was, was doing some sort of publicity. And his agent like got back to me and said, Hey, JB is here. Can you let him into radio row? Yes, of course. Like we're in the middle of <laughs> well. And I go up, I, I meet him and his, and his handler, this nicest guy in the world. Um, Much, much, a little bit more diminutive than, than I thought he would be. But you know, it's almost kind of like the Kelsey effect. All of a sudden I walked down with him and all of a sudden I saw all the eyeballs from all the different like radio shows and media members turned towards JV and then constantly because I was standing next to him on me and it was wild. It was just like a sea of people that just got up and were all trying to take selfies and grab him. And of course he walked right over to our show and I felt like okay I feel like if, even if I even if I fuck up the rest of this uh, <laughs> I, I did my job uh for one day and and got him and we were the first show that he that he appeared on. So I'll I'll take that. Yeah, absolutely. Trying to think of who else. I mean, like uh like Joe
0: Montana is here, and Joe Montana's always really cool. Um Cake Boss was here. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, I would say all the stars have been out, you know. You got Cake Boss, you got everybody.
1: One other question for you, as it pertains to sort of the AFC West in general, because you've you've been the the voice of the, the coaching hires and the future coaching hires to be, um, and a trusted voice at that, especially when it comes to names that maybe we hadn't heard about before that could be on the rise, could be talked about. And I'm curious to get your perspective with the shakeup now in the AFC West with Jim Harbaugh coming to LA to coach the Chargers. Uh, so we'll yet have another year of, of people picking the Chargers to win the division. Uh, and for many a years, those people have <laughs> continued to be disappointed. Um, and then Antonio Pierce, who I, I felt was um, put in... I, I was really happy for him that he won that locker room and was able to have the opportunity to stay on. And someone that I feel like is is genuinely like a good, rootable dude um, for a team that a lot of people have a very difficult time rooting for. So given the current shakeup with two new coaches coming in, how do you evaluate the two of them and sort of their outlook moving forward within the course of that division?
0: Antonio Pierce, it's always going to be tough because you um, really lost, I think, probably the better option at offensive coordinator. Um you have Patrick Graham on the staff, which is good. But I mean, outside of that, I mean, you're kind of starting over at quarterback. You got you bring in someone like Luke Getz, who I think is good. Um, but you know, I think you're starting from a different place than a lot of these other spots. And the track record of interns is just not good. And I think it's, it all has to do with the psychological ability to play off of someone that people didn't like. And then once you lose that tailwind, you know, what do you become without that? And Antonio is great. I mean, he's coached at every level, super bowl champion, real dude. Um, and that's playing well in the NFL right now, so I'm never going to say he doesn't have a chance. I'm just saying, like, I I think, you know, if you started everybody out at zero and zero again, I would say he's got the hardest chance of winning that division. And I don't think that's an overly controversial um, statement. I mean, I think that Mark Davis is probably letting this roster kind of bottom out a little bit until they can retool, uh, you know, and, and see what they can do with it. But in terms of Harbaugh, I mean, this was the move that the Spanos family had to make you had to you know you were like mike mccoy and anthony lid and brandon staley and these coaches who are good you know but not really expensive um not really guys who had a lot of other teams beaten down their door you know and uh all of a sudden it's like okay this is we we got to go outspend everybody. we got to spend a lot of money we got to get a guy who knows what he's doing can't screw this up got to get out of the way and parball's not going to let you be mediocre. so i think that there is a um There's something really exciting. about that. I I do think the profile of the division is going to change because of him specifically.
1: Do you see any chance of them moving on from from Herbert and trying to start over with a quarterback that he handpicks?
0: I think Herbert was a big part of him taking that job. But, um, you know, a year or two down the line, if it's not working, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he drafts someone somewhat soon. Um, i mean he did that with colin kaepernick and by the time alex smith had gotten that one concussion they were ready to go i mean they had a whole other offense already ready to rip and so i mean is obsessed he is one of the most tireless people in the industry and to say that he's not gonna throw everything on the line for a super bowl is crazy he's he's ready to roll so i you know i don't think he's gonna give it there's no contingency, though, right? I mean, I think he's prepared for the fact that maybe Justin Herbert's not as good as everyone thinks he is or that Justin Herbert's way better than we think. And I think both of those could be true.
1: Yeah. Um, there was always sort of the thought in my head of if if Chicago is not enticed with Caleb or the reports of that he's going to try to power, struggle his way to, to Washington are true. Um, if maybe there becomes an opportunity for Chicago to move that pick, um, find another way, find another avenue where then uh, the, the Chargers can have their, their their pick of the litter there, and then move on from Herbert if they believe that they need to completely rebuild and retool that roster. Um, it's a, it's a fascinating aspect of this of this whole build, um, but it does make for uh, a fascinating division race for for many many years to come. Uh, Connor, on the other side, I'm curious to get uh, a Super Bowl prediction pick. Maybe if you have a better two. Uh, we'll get that on the other side. And, uh, of course, I've got some props that uh, I did not mention last week. Uh, I'll reveal those coming up next. Stay with us. This is Benny and the Bets presented by PXG.
0: We appreciate you supporting KC Sports Network by listening to our podcast. You have helped us become the highest ranked Chiefs podcast network in 2022 and 2023. And don't forget about our daily Substack newsletter, the best written analysis you can find on the Chiefs straight to your inbox every day. KCSN.substack.com.
1: All right, welcome back, everybody. This is Benny in the Bets. Ben Heisler here. Connor Orr out in Las Vegas on Radio Row. You should read his work over at Sports Illustrated, longtime senior scribe over at SI, and you should be following him as well at Connor Orr. Uh, Connor, before we get to uh, an actual pick on the game and in, in a couple of bets, I do want to let our folks uh, who are tuning in, who are watching, and, and hanging out with us, that uh, if you have not gotten yourself ready for The Super Bowl yet, and if you are looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. In fact, new customers can bet on the big game, turn five bucks into $200 instantly in bonus bets. You can find right now with Kansas City Chiefs as a two point dog over DraftKings Sportsbook with a total of 47 and a half. So, here's what you do you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use the code KCSN, and new customers can bet five bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. That's only on DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58. Don't forget to use that code KCSN. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-HOPE-NY. Or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Just call 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org please play responsibly on behalf of boodle casino and resort in kansas must be 21 plus age varies uh, by jurisdiction void in ontario my voice is starting to go out bonus bets expire 168 hours after they are issued See slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources so with that all the way connor do you have a bet do you have a pick for this upcoming matchup, and where are you leaning? I am betting the octopus uh,
0: for my good buddy Mitch Goldich, as I always do, because Mitch is the greatest person in the world. He invented the octopus. He is an absolute stud. And so uh, uh, ceremonially, I will bet the octopus um, in Mitch's honor. And um, I would... So I took the Niners by like 13. and Okay. And I just think, you know, I remember the Tampa Super Bowl, and I think that this is a similar profile where I think that you can get up on Kansas City early, um, you know, like let's say San Francisco gets the ball first, they score a touchdown, there's, you know, maybe just a three and out and then a field goal. You know that can happen really easily, and then all of a sudden you are at the whim of a game plan that Kyle Shanahan has put together for this exact moment. And I don't know. You know, uh, once you're in a pass-only situation for Mahomes, you have all these great rushers. Um, you have a lot of depth. I mean, look at what Jason Pierre-Paul and Indomik and Sue and Vita Vea did to this team. In one, and what? And I get it. It's a different team. It's a different time. But we're talking about similar. Types of players in big games, you know, um, Kansas City's offensive line is certainly better than it was, but um, who's to say that can't happen again? Like it could be that kind of game, you know, where uh, if Mahomes is put in a situation where he's got to throw him every down, you know,
1: and they don't get the flags, then all of a sudden this is, uh, you know, this is kind of a runaway. If you were to bet the 49ers to cover the spread by, would you have it at 13? Mm-hmm. All right. So let's say, let's say we, you know, Extend it a little bit, make it 49ers twelve and a half over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Plus four fifty-four. So a hundred dollar bet would uh would bring back four hundred and fifty-four dollars. Um welcome everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's uh it's good to have a, a heel in town. And uh I do think there is a scenario where like to me, if the Chiefs win, I I don't think they're blowing out San Francisco. If the 49ers win, I, I think it's just that it's they get off to a big lead, even with the defensive adjustments for for Kansas City in the second half. Um, it's just too much to overcome. Uh, and even with with Mahomes and Kelsey and Rice and Reed, um, with with that pass rush set up perfectly to be able to pin their ears back, uh, that would make for a difficult task. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna run through a couple props that I have, and, and I mentioned my bet. I, I did take the Chiefs at plus two and a half. I felt it was a good number at the time. Uh, it was also a hedge for me with uh, taking the 49ers mid-season at 5-1. to one. But uh, rapid fire, I'm, I'm going to run through some of these numbers for you, and you're going to tell me if uh, you can just hate it or love it. Um, okay. Super Bowl, highest-scoring quarter, I'm taking the first quarter. I've, t- I've talked about this on the show before, Connor. Chiefs' second-half unders, 18-2 and two this year. Chiefs' fourth-quarter unders, 19-1. and one. Uh, The second quarter, I think, is the one that you have to worry about, but you're getting such good value. Plus, H 54. First quarter to be the highest scoring quarter. Love it. Got okay. Christian McCaffrey for an anytime touchdown. The only problem is, is that he is very expensive for an anytime touchdown. So instead, I'm going to take him for a first half anytime touchdown at plus 140. 13 of his 16 touchdowns scored this year were um, first half. I love it because
0: Kyle is not going to give anybody else the ball on the goal line. I mean, he's not going to. He's not. He's not going to. He's not going to put his team in a situation where he has to trust someone that he doesn't completely trust as much as he does Christian McCaffrey.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm on Mahomes at plus 160 for Super Bowl MVP. There's a few other long shots that I'm on as well. Um, I'll I'll give you some of the more interesting ones, but uh, for our listeners, uh, Christian McCaffrey, I'm over 29.5 rush yards in each half at plus 120. Uh, Kyle, here's one I, I think you'll enjoy. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk to record a reception. It's a little juicy, minus 150, um, but it always feels like he's that one guy that every time you think he's just not going to be a part of the offensive game plan as a receiver, they get him the ball. So I'm on him for to record a reception at minus 150 and also a dart throw at plus 7,000 to score the first touchdown at the game. Everyone thinks it's going to McCaffrey. Instead, fullback dive to Juszczyk.
0: Or like some sort of a play action rollout, yeah, or you know, he's like the last person covered. I like that, okay. Um,
1: also on McCaffrey over 89.5 rushing yards, um, was able to take advantage of a boost to move that to plus 120. A uh, couple of Chiefs props that I'm on I like the over for Patrick Mahomes rush attempts at over four and a half. Uh, also took the over on Travis Kelsey for both receiving yards at 69 and a half and over six and a half receptions. Those were taken at the very beginning of the of last week, Connor, uh, knowing that the public was very much likely going to move those numbers, which they have. I think that's smart. I mean, it's where it's it's Mahomes' comfort level, right? And,
0: you know, especially if this game turns into a pin your ears back pass rush fest, you know, uh, yes, Travis will be covered, but he's the one guy, you know, he's the guy you trust, right? And I think that's something that ultimately matters more than anything else.
1: Okay, let me give you a few other dark horses uh, that I'm on for Super Bowl MVP. Um, I don't even think this is a dark horse. I, I think I got really good value on Debo Samuel at 35 to 1. I have Debo Samuel as my MVP. Awesome. I do. Yes. yes. Love love to see it. Um, let me give you the, the, the complete pizza money, dart throws, something crazy has to happen for it to happen, but I think it could happen. Harrison Butker, 350 to 1. Second half, we talked about some of those second half under numbers where all of a sudden it just turns into a defensive slugfest. Chiefs get down the field. The only right way that they're scoring is field goals. Bucker kicks the game winner. 350 to one bet caches. I've voted for a lot of, I've voted for, I think, four
0: Super Bowl MVPs. I would have a really hard time. If, I mean, if, okay, if it's like a 67 yard game winner, okay, you know, but I, but Boy, I mean, circumstantially, it would have to be wild.
1: Okay, let me give you one more. Um, again, not a whole lot of history behind it, but I think the the corner that everyone has talked about and rightfully so in Kansas City has been the play of LeJarrius Sneed. I think the 49ers will try to game plan and try to avoid Sneed as much as possible. I think that we'll try to attempt more opportunities downfield against Trent McDuffie. And McDuffie at 500 to 1. And by the way, I, I kind of stole this a little bit from Peter Schrager, um, because he said in his, you know, now infamous uh preseason prediction, where I think he's gotten the Super Bowl teams like four years in a row, correct? On on good morning football, he had Stren McDuffie with a pick six for the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl over the 49ers and predicted that back, I think, in early September. So if that actually comes to fruition. I'm holding a card on a guy returning a pick six at 500.
0: Well, he, he has a copy of the script. Someone gave it to him. That's
1: true. He would know, you know? So with anything, it's just a really good investment. (laughs) (laughs) Free money, free, free money. I, I think legally I'm not allowed to say that on this show, but uh, (laughs) then again, you heard the man. The script has been written. Connor, I appreciate you, man. Thanks so much for hanging out with us uh, from Radio Row. Outstanding work, continued success, and uh, for anybody that is not following you on Twitter, on X, at Connor or reading your work at SI. Any other places, avenues that they can find your outstanding work?
0: Uh, you can go to Barnes and Noble and pick up a magazine. Why don't you? You know, sit down, leave your phone at home, go to Barnes and Noble and buy a magazine, sit there and read it. That's that's my that's my
1: pitch. Love it. Connor, thank you, man. It's great to see you.
2: You too, buddy. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.